Welcome to Avoutcast, the fan podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG video game called Avowed. We are not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, though we are huge fans and we'd give them a back rub if they asked. Today we're going to do a continuation of our last podcast where we started a discussion on story and video games. And we we kind of started really broad and talked about what is a good story, what makes a good story, and specifically some of our experiences with the best stories in video games over the years. And it was a great discussion. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't. Today, we're going to turn the focus towards Pillars of Eternity specifically. We're going to talk about Pillars 1 and Pillars 2. No spoilers, I promise. And in that discussion, we're going to kind of talk about what we felt about both of the stories, um, how Obsidian tells stories a little differently than most other companies. And then we're going to dig really deep into the Avowed trailer and pick apart some of the language they use in the trailer to give you a clearer picture of what we think the story in Avowed might be about, when it might take place, and some other details. So sit back and enjoy. Almost reminds you of somebody, don't she? Yes, very insightful, Dawnstar. Now, return to your glowing bauble and leave the discussion to the adults. Flip it, and we're going to turn it real quick to Pillars of Eternity. And um, I was wondering, now that we've talked about all these other games and now that we've, we've mentioned some of our favorites, um, what, how would you rank Pillars of Eternity 1's story and Pillars of Eternity 2 in that list, those of us who've played it, how would you rank them, and and what grade would you give them for storytelling? Do you do you give them an A plus and say they were just phenomenal, or do you have any anything that you would say were not perfect about them? Just curious. I mean, I think honestly, I, I've always I've always liked from a storytelling perspective, I've always liked Pillars One better than Pillars Two. I honestly just think it's better written. Um, I think that it. I think that Pillars 2 suffers a little bit from having so much voice acting that, you know, that there's like sort of an economy of, uh, of, of writing that you don't get in Pillars. I mean, Pillars 1 gets a lot of flack for being just wall of text after wall of text, but personally, I've never minded that. I've always kind of liked it. Um, it just fleshes out the world a whole lot more. Um, I would say as far, are we doing, are we like putting it up, putting them on that one to 10 list or? Well, I just compared to games that we've been talking about. I mean, how do you, do you feel you're not, we all love pillars. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't love pillars of eternity or the world that it was created around. I mean, we're, we're fans. We, that's a blanket statement. We understand that. So, but even if you're a fan, you you can still be critical oh, yeah. if if need be. So how does Pillars One, since that was your favorite of the two, compare to your selection? Um Yeah, okay. So Pillars One, I mean Pillars One definitely does that thing that New Vegas does where you branch and the the fail state or you know the the less optimal state for a, a particular branch is almost never death right um which i've always loved i think that i think that's a big pillar haha, of obsidian's <laughs> game design is that uh you know is branching to maybe suboptimal outcomes but but you know still valid outcomes of certain situations um because i think you find a lot of character in those that you wouldn't have otherwise um 
I think New Vegas is probably a little bit better realized in that regard, but New Vegas also has the huge advantage of being set in a universe that already existed and had existed for like a decade, more than that, two decades almost when it came out. Um, I think since, I mean, Obsidian created pillars, they created Aora from scratch. Yeah. And I mean that, that in and of itself is just a huge, I, I mean, accomplishment. Yeah, to, the myth, the mythology, the lore. The, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. it's just the, the work politics. that went into that is incredible. Anybody else want to chime in on Pillars One and Pillars Two and how you yes. felt about the story, Kiwi? Yeah, um, well, I'm gonna compare the two games between each other. Like um, Pillars Two, the I think the weakness of the story is is the fact that it's predictable it's very predictable and it's very uh one dimension now like uh, earthus goes uh through the ocean and his uh destination is a certain place and you know he's just gonna keep going there it you kind of feel that you are on a, on a schedule but you're really not yeah and your objective should be to go wherever he goes but when you reach Neketaka, uh, the game doesn't really give you any good directions and you kind of don't know what you're supposed to do as there's so much to do. Um, Pillars 1 uh, takes the more, more linear linear type approach to the story. Uh, it's very mystical. You don't know what's going to happen and uh, you just want to find out what's happening and so you well, I don't know how, how to explain it, but the story is like an enigma and I play to try to cipher it. Right. Parenthesis, I know you've played both games. What? How do you feel about the story in Pillars 1 and 2? Were you satisfied? Do you feel like uh, it meets your requirements or do you, would you want more? Um. I think that 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 the storytelling in in both games are, is fine. It, it's it's fine. It's uh, being being the lore hound that I am. It's it's the world that is hinted beyond it that that is that is in the game and that's hinted beyond it that that really grabs my attention. Um, the, the, not necessarily the politics, but the, the the fake history of this world, the races, the the ideas that this setting is built upon for instance the fundamental focus of, of, of the souls is, is what really grasped me and of course there is the companions which uh, the obsidian has always been really really good at oh yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I agree i i think that the 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 questions posed throughout the story and you know uh, intertwined with the lore i think it, those are a lot more important than like you know story how it unfolds itself yeah i if i was going to c comment on them i mean just my personal reaction to both games the story even though it was linear in the first one was my favorite and i think partially because of what parenthesis hit on is that i was really attracted to this this world that they created i was really engaged with the um 
the lore and the the whole mythology of it all and i love the spirituality element in it and how it addressed that that really intrigued me so the story in pillars one was great um for me but i will say that the gameplay in pillars two for me was better i enjoyed oh, yeah. playing pillars two but pillars one would be the book that i would want to read that was just the way yeah. that i would look at it i found that like the story in pillars one was really qualitatively done well and then the delivery of the story in in Deadfire was kind of the strong suit there. Like I found the delivery method for Deadfire to be quicker. Like I was more emotionally invested, but the story in Pillars One, in my opinion, was just far more engaging and interesting to get into. Yeah, I mean they're both fantastic narratives. I mean from a studio that we know are very good at at doing that and pulling you in with stories, but it does kind of bring it. There's a couple of things. Um, about it that I want to mention and that pillars games in particular, um, you know, your, your choice is supposed to have consequences, especially in, in pillars Two. your, you know, your branching choices, the decisions you make and in all these games we've mentioned, I mean, the, the, the idea that you're making decisions, you're making choices, this, this free will kind of, um, but does that, is that really, does that kind of play against them sometimes because this free choice is really an illusion? I mean, it really is right. I mean, does giving the player more choice in story, um, does it sometimes sacrifice depth and artistry? Do you think? I mean, it definitely can. Um, it, it depends on how fully realized and how, how fleshed out your branching story is. I mean, you know, there are games like, the Mass Effect series where they feel extremely expansive while you're in the midst of them. And, you know, some of your choices do legitimately have like big in-universe consequences and then it just doesn't land, you know? A lot of it has to do with, with how your story ends. Would you rather play a game that has a story with multiple endings or would you rather play a game that has a fully fleshed out story that, yeah, you're a part of and you make decisions, but you're really kind of following along this one story created by someone that has a definite ending. It's not the plan, it's the execution. Yeah, it depends It depends on the story. I agree with Kiwi. Because I, I, I've enjoyed both of those, you know? Nier Automata is a great, another great example I keep coming back to. Might be one of my favorite games of all time and is, you know... It doesn't have those branching choices, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my list of games that I thought had the best stories. And as much as I like having multiple endings, uh, I have 18 out of the 20 games are linear, like they have one ending. So I don't know if that's just me personally or if it's a reflection on like the level of engagement that happens with those one-line stories because you don't have to think about these branching directions that you can go in and you're not reloading different situations right. to test how things go. Yeah. And yeah. I agree with that to a, to a, a strong level, just because I, for me, I don't really remember a lot of New Vegas's endings. I mean, even though I mentioned that that was one of my favorite games ever, as far as story goes, like I remember how much fun I had with the Yes Man ending and the, yeah. the Mr. House endings, because I thought those were the most interesting. But the the Legion and the NCR, I never really particularly liked. I didn't really enjoy working for them. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's more about how the uh, 
the, the the quality of the narrative overall rather than just the variety it's like going to a buffet versus a a nice restaurant like I mean, yeah the, the buffet has its its ups and its downs the quality of the food isn't there but it's it's about quality and there's some people that prefer one over the other yeah i mean it comes down to the fact that video games are such an expansive medium you i mean you can tell any kind of story you want to in a video game and it's like if you said it, it all really does come down to how good is your writing? How good is your story? Like, um, as any story should, no matter the medium. Yes, well, I mean, um, also, like like Sora mentioned about, what was it, Detroit Become Human? It has 5,000 yeah. pages, right? Yeah. When you're, when you're writing a game like Uncharted, which has a start point, a plot development, and the end point, is significantly less narrative work you have to do, so you can put more quality into that story. But then you play something else like Mass Effect, where you have to put... Uh, all these different dialogue options and ways that the story can unfold. It's just, it takes time away from, yeah. well, I don't know if Mass Effect's necessarily the best example, but you know what, I, you know what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. There, there are definitely games that spread themselves too thin. So another thing about story, um, before we get to fan emails, that I thought it was an interesting question would be, um, for video games in particular, um, do you think players um place in that story um can affect the well how do i say it? can it affect the um uh can it affect the the path of the story i guess let me give an example so it is the is the faceless nameless protagonist basically for example that we see a lot in rpgs um is that like kind of yeah, is that kind of a safety net? Is is allowing the player to kind of craft their character from the ground up, making it easier for storytelling? Or or do you feel that games where you're not a faceless, nameless person um, maybe are better stories? I don't know. Does that make any sense, what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I would agree. I would, yeah. I, I, would, I would say that I enjoy stories the, the protagonist is faceless and nameless a lot more just because I feel like I'm carving out my own story for this character. And I mean, I, I, I think that's, it's like a blank slate approach, right? So yeah, it's like, it's because like you as the player can project whatever you want onto that uh, character. But also, I mean, it's just, it's a lot more interesting of a story rising from nothing to become something. So I go ahead. versus like Shepard, who's like, you know, the, well, yeah, the perfect everything. <laughs> yeah, there there definitely is a little Mary Sueism in in that franchise. But honestly, I think I'm kind of on the other side of that fence. Like, I I like, I don't know that I'm all the way on the other side. Like, I don't I don't know that I like playing characters who are like static and can't really be influenced by the player's actions. Um, but like, I, I you know, it's like an improv where you you get suggestions, kind of. You get you get sort of prods in certain directions the game tells you this is who you are you know this is where you're starting and then you go from there um i, I think that's that that can lead to that can lead you to some places where you wouldn't have gotten if you were just a blank slate it, it can it yeah. can help the game tell the story that it sort of wants to tell but also still include you in it 
Well, I mean, let's look at what the people said were their top three games for story. I know we don't necessarily agree with this list, but these are ranked by gamers. And you have The Last of Us, Red Dead Redemption, and The Witcher 3. Well, The Last of Us is you definitely have yeah. a person that you're not playing as yourself. You're not a blank slate. The Witcher 3, you're not a blank slate. Um, and I guess that's what I was getting at. Do you feel like those games have a more mass appeal or do you feel like because we're talking RPGs that this blank slate has more mass appeal, which is going to sell more games? You know, uh, sorry, I think, I think the thing is with storylines, right? Um, there's a bit of subjective element into it. Okay. Um, there isn't really any sort of, I want to say calculative figures to sort of determine, Hey, you know, this might be a better storyline. Uh, for me, I kind of look at a combination of both what maybe writers, reporters, even some of the audience has to say, and then also to some portion, uh, unit sales. Okay. So, so you'll notice that for instance, Skyrim, right or or even even the witcher 3 did sell significantly than the game like more than the last of us right which probably sold let's just say a total of 7 million units throughout its lifetime versus what 30 million for both right, the witcher 3 right. and skyrim right so i'm not saying necessarily the sales units is what determines maybe the better story but what i do think is that is that what, yeah, I think I don't know who mentioned it earlier. I don't know if it was Jesse or, or Jed Mandu, but the 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 portion where you can just craft and sort of sculpt your own person's like the, your character's personality, given that because they are faceless, is I think a very very advantageous element for the player. I think mm -hmm. it's just it lets them dig and sort of dive into what they want for their character and i think that just brings a new experience versus the force experience that we have in say the last of us or the witcher 3 um another thing to consider too on top of that is that one thing i don't like about and and believe it or not i think both of them fall fall guilty to this sort of element or attribute is that whether you're doing a faceless or you're doing a person with a face like say Geralt of rivia um I feel like there's just so much overpowering elements and and skills and abilities that that these players possess or i don't want to say players but characters that they become so powerful that i feel like there's no challenge there's nothing interesting nothing concerning about the storyline in general right so you have for example Geralt of rivia who's just you know he's a witcher but i feel like he's just so overpowering there's nothing that really concerns me when i'm battling throughout monsters you know he's just so powerful that like what's there to be scared of exactly right, right. So, so any so, conflict the story creates or any cliffhanger yeah. you're not concerned about exactly but but not necessarily you know even for, for even for the faceless you know character it doesn't mean that they're they're perfect at all like take for example the dragonborn from from skyrim i could say the same thing you know we're the dragonborn i can have like 30 different shouts to blow 50 different types of you know dragon priests right off the map <laughs> like like you know there's this yeah, yeah. there's also that same overpowering element too but at the very least you get that sculpting mechanic that sculpting system that i think jesse or jed mondu was talking about earlier where you can just you know at least make it the way you want to rather than it's forced right yeah i'd push back just a little bit for the case of being a devil's advocate that like when you have a character that has its own built-in personality like Geralt of rivia or other characters that you're not inhabiting as a silent protagonist like a lot of these characters, especially in modern games, have voice acting behind them and um, they have the mocap for their facial expressions. And there's uh, the human capacity to empathize is really substantial. And that's going to really attach people to stories, emotionally speaking. 
Whereas like a video game character that you never hear the voice of, or you never get to see good facial actions for it's losing mm-hmm. that human element to it. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of these like Geralt of Rivia, a lot of people, even if they don't personally relate to them, there's that human connection that is bleeding through just a little bit that you don't get with a faceless character. Yeah. Right. And the professional exactly. acting, Very good and, you know, these yeah. people who are great at what they do. I mean, that that you can't take that out of the equation. You know, great mm-hmm. acting and great performances are why we watch movies and plays and get involved in those emotionally just as much as as this anonymous protagonist. Um, I want to move us on to. Uh, finally talking about Avowed. Uh, this is a Vowedcast, by the way. Um, so I, I will get more <laughs> actually something to add, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm totally gonna get emails about that. I get it every every time. But um yes, we are a Vowedcast and we want to talk about what our thoughts on our the story and Avowed might be. Um and I think um there's a couple of ways we could do that. I mean we can definitely speculate, you know, just like everyone else. Um I think there's a lot of questions revolving around it. But if we kind of investigate some of the trailer um, and some of the dialogue in the trailer or the narrative, um, does will that give us a hint? So I was I was looking at the trailer myself, and um, there is the transcript I found online somewhere, which is really helpful. But um, basically, it starts out with "We have always known war." Um, does that give you anything or is that just totally vague and generic? Um, does that, do you feel that that tells you anything about either the time or what, who might be involved? Who is the, we, who is, we have always known war. I think the, I, that's actually the a good next, question. Yeah. I think the next verse is like, you, you can't read just those words. I think the, the following verses uh, tell the whole story. Right. So it says, um, we have always known war. Um, it forged our empire, turned heroes into queens and kings, um, and uh, decimated our foes. Um, and now our oaths are lost, forsaken, and you must face the monsters our sins have borne. Yeah. All right. Jump in. Okay. So all of, all of this, I, I, I sort of agree with the, the internet conclusion to, to, um, the internet's sort of at large breakdown of this, uh, all referring to Adir from Pillars of Eternity. Um, all the king and queen imagery, you know, oath. Uh, the, the word oath, honestly, talking about oaths and crowns, it's it's all very Adirin. It's very Wodakin. You know, the whole trailer screams Adirin, but very oh, yeah. subtly. Like it's, it's a lot of little it's, things. It's subtly the... screaming. It's only the only <laughs> empire that we know of. Yeah, right. Exactly. So then the question is, if we, if we have nailed down that um, we have always known war, you're saying we as the Adair Empire is what we're saying, right? Um, I think so. The typical thing about it is just how much information we have, right? Like we don't have tons of history about, say, Rawatai. We have some, a decent amount, but not nearly as much as we do with Adir. Right. So just in terms of quantity of the lore, of course, Adir is going to kind of be at the forefront. But of course, you get things like Wudika, the Oathbinder and all that. So it it does add to it. But we don't know about the other empires very much. So what's the war that forged the empire? Um, mm, back... the unifi- unification war? 
between elves um, and humans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of them. But also, I mean, every empire, I mean, even in history, it, like our history, Earth history, is forged through generally a series of wars and conquests. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much we can I draw. Think maybe they're referring thing. to like the maybe who's who ends up to be like being victorious and leads the next generation of empires and whatnot. So I obviously don't know much about the Pillars of Eternity uh, storyline, but I think maybe that's what it's suggesting. Well, I think, I mean, I'll jump in. I, I, I feel like the tense here makes a difference. I think we have always known war. It did forge or it forged our empire. It, mm -hmm. it did in the past. So there was some people online saying that they feel like this was the game is going to actually take place before Pillars of Eternity won in the timeline and that they feel like you know, maybe this this game is going to have something to do with the formation of the Adir Empire. I disagree with that. I think that yeah. because of what it says at the beginning, we have always known war. It forged our empire. That That is past tense. It's happened. It turned our heroes into queens and kings. The empire is formed. It's done, right? The government, the system of government is done. It's created. But now um, is, you know, when it, when it ends saying, is the oath worth the weight of a crown? Well, what oath are they talking about? Well, that's a, <laughs> go ahead. It's a very heavy statement, too. Like, can we just break that sentence down real fast? Is an oath worth the weight of a crown? Because, okay, the weight of a crown, obviously, talking about like the responsibilities that a monarch yeah. takes up, right? <laughs> so they're saying, is, like, I guess, like keeping your oath, keeping your promise, worth all that is it you know it, yeah it's, it's interesting it's it's almost it almost sounds like maybe a king or queen has like abdicated their throne but would the oath be related to the study of animancy possibly it could be anything like it could be that you made an oath with someone and you're going to get as a reward the crown like you're going to ascend to the throne because you keep your oath to some god who promises you royalty but then you know along the line you're like okay well is it worth me actually doing this thing i promised to this god to get this reward like that's it, we don't know it could be anything that obsidian is referring to well but it does it does go on to say i will it said this before the ending but it says now our our oaths our oaths are lost forsaken and you, yeah. you must face the monsters our sins have borne. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Because I, I remember back when the trailer first dropped and people were really, you know, picking through it. I remember a lot of people going like, oh, we're going to be playing as like, uh, you know, an agent of the Adir uh, uh, Empire. And really breaking down the diction here, the word choice, the, the pronouns used like our oaths are lost you know that yeah. the adherence the Wadikins talking about like because they're the ones who are you know all up their own ass about their oaths and everything <laughs> and you you player must face the monsters our sins have born basically so the consequences you deal with this shit right yeah. right the consequences, the consequences of what has yeah. happened you have to deal with the consequences of what has happened which is why i'm saying at this stage i believe it's poe3 i mean it's not poe3 but i yeah. believe it is following up on the story and the and let's not give away the ending but the ending of poe2 i think it's 
I, I believe that's where the story is picking up. I don't know how far after that it is. I, I don't know how, what, what the status of the Adir empire is at that point. And I know there's a lot of other theories. I'm, I mean, if, if any of you have any other thoughts, throw them out here. I have I, three theories, but I will wait. go for it. No, no, no go, I go. will wait to see Please. who else comes up. Okay. Well, um, regarding uh, whether it could be in the future or not, and we're talking about Woodica, I, I do speculate whether or not this could be uh, events revolving around Woodica returning to her ascent of power, right? Because Woodica is supposed to be the most powerful of the gods, theoretically speaking. And if she was wanting to enact her revenge on the rest of the gods or return to her power, there would very likely be a militaristic following that would do, I guess, her bidding in the world of Aeora. And that kind of explains the banner we see, which is like the symbol of Wodoka with a sword through it. It's kind of got a militia feel to it. If it's taking place after Pillars 2, that would definitely be a potential storyline we could follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I'm interested in uh, parenthesis. Kiwi, you guys have any any thoughts um, on the story? Uh, well, I cannot say for certain. Is it before or after POE? Um, for from the wordings, I say that the Eder Empire uh, they they did some uh, bad stuff that was against <laughs> yeah. an oath and. Now something apocalyptic or something really bad is happening somewhere, and uh, uh, it's going to be bad for everyone, not just Eder Empire. That's a good point. And I hope, I just hope that this is <clears throat> not just another very Vudika centered <laughs> game. Uh, I I hope there's going to be some new stuff that we are not anticipating, some new story. So, because so, the, uh, 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 other ways, the uh, Eora, uh, the lore, it's it's kind of, mm, I don't know, we already know a lot of it. So, I'm just yeah. hoping that it's not just uh, like BOE, but in different package. Yeah. Well, Can what if it was back during the Inguithin times? Um, That's Huh. Uh, I don't know about that. You, 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 well, I, well, I, I, I have wait. I have a tin foil hat theory. What makes you say that? Okay. What makes I, you say that? <laughs> Defend that statement. <laughs> okay. So this is real tin foil hat theory, and I will I will disclaim first. There are two glaring problems with this theory, but I I still love it. Oh, just do we want to give a spoiler warning, by the way? Um, oh, I guess yeah. I mean, it depends on how he words it, but I guess. Okay, kinda... I'll try to keep it spoiler free. If I think I have to, I'll I'll mention the spoiler. Uh, I'll give a warning. Okay. It's there is going to be one spoiler for the White March DLC, actually. Now thinking about it. All right. Okay. So that you've, it's been stated. Go ahead. One or two. Okay. Um, I can't remember which part because I bought them both at the same time and I just played right through it. <laughs> um, so this, there's two glaring problems with this theory I have that we could be playing during Inguithin's times. And that is the main one being the level of detail that Obsidian was trying to put into the reveal trailer, because it really hinges on, if you've listened to the podcast I do, I have one episode where I talk about there's two moons in the reveal trailer that you can see. Yeah. But oh, if you dig into the lore, the small moon that exists during Pillars of Eternity times 
is not supposed to be visible with the naked eye. You know, it took them a couple thousand years to see it through a telescope. But in the Avowed Reveal trailer, we clearly see two moons in the sky. Now, this could just be for cinematic effect. Or, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, yeah, think, I, doubt I think that was very intense. Yeah, but then the thing is, is like, well, we shouldn't be able to see two moons in the sky. But if you go into the history of the world of Aora, specifically in the White March DLC, you know that one of the gods basically took one of the <clears> moons <throat> out of the sky and threw it down to the planet. So at one point, there was another moon in the sky. Right. So if we are seeing two moons in the sky, clearly with our own naked eyes through the through the eyes of a flying arrow in the middle of mist and fog, then if that detail is 100 percent accurate, it would imply that we're playing back in a time before that moon got taken out of the sky. Um, I didn't even uh, think of that. <laughs> I'm thinking that me... when, when I look at the Wikipedia, uh, mm -hmm. it says that Eora has two moons. Yeah. And. I think the one that got thrown was a third one. Yeah, oh. but the thing is, is that in the time of Pillars of Eternity 1, the second moon that's in the sky isn't very easy to see. You shouldn't be able to see it like as you're, if you're an arrow flying through the sky, right? But the fact that you can see it very clearly would kind of indicate to me that you are seeing the larger moon from Aeora's past. Okay. Mm -hmm. All but right. which hey, this let, let, happened let, let, before okay, Lazaro, the Lazaro. empire was formed. We go for it, Lazaro. Let, let, me, uh, let me counter your theory with my theory. Um, I think that you know we've talked about tents and you know how uh, you know in the beginning uh, the narrator uh, is saying we like as in in the past, and then at the end. Uh, uh, He's saying, but now. So uh, it's kind of, and the arrow flying is kind of an indicator, I think, of time passing. So when the when the arrow uh, shuts out or you know flies out, it's kind of a the story begins. And when the arrow uh, hits the floor, that's where our story. That's like the 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 end of the story time, and that's where the story of the game. Oh, oh, I like I like what you're saying. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, that's cool. And, and I, I, th I think that uh, while the arrow is flying, we are actually seeing the past, like the past version of Europe for, for you know, in 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 that sense. And that's this why we're passing of time. The moons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know, at the end, you know, when the arrow flies into the cave, that's when that's when the story will will pick up, as in you know, in in the time interval in the past. Right, and there was some some on, and just to throw this in before Triometry chimes in, that some people are saying online that there was, and I didn't follow up on this, but that the they think that 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 underground cave is actually a city. Is that that there's some sort of uh, they found some tidbit online that said that the that underground dwelling is actually some sort of there's going to be underground cities. Um, so I don't it know. Looks like one. I mean, uh, there's really, there's hmm. precedent for that in pillars, like a couple a couple different yeah. precedents. Right, right. It really right, reminded me of the uh, underground city of Nekedaka. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the um, well, there's the thing in pillars one, but I'll, oh, I'll, that's, right. that's, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Don't it, we know of an ancient society of people that had an underground cities? Hmm. hmm. 
Oh, I, I don't know. I, I'm slowly <laughs> being more convinced. But it's, oh, no. but it's ruined in the I just in the fed into that. Okay. <laughs> Trigonometry, right. you were speaking. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted no, you. No, it's fine. Not a problem. So so I just wanted to actually talk about the creatures in, in the storyline. And, and, and I want to touch on that a little bit. So I don't know if you guys already know. Um, so obviously in Skyrim, like for instance, we have the creatures i like one of the more main popular creatures are um the droggers i don't know if that's how you pronounce it exactly yeah, but right. you guys can see how they look like here and i noticed in the avowed trailer that they also have a resembling creatures of some kind um so i'll i'll share that as well so they look almost identical to the droggers that are in skyrim so i don't know if that has anything to do with maybe who is going to be involved in the war quotes that we were mentioning er about earlier. And so here's another last image about, you know, just to give you a better reference of how they look like. So, so I don't know if there's going to be some sort of resemblance to what maybe Skyrim would offer in terms of their droggers and how they are involved in the storyline or whatnot and how the war is going. But I, I thought it would be interesting to share that because if they would be involved then maybe we know for certain, obviously it's not something along the lines of maybe your own race or, or what, not and and just how to go about the war in general but um but yeah just i thought that'd be like interesting to share and i don't know i was hoping to get your thoughts on that yeah i like well, that I, I i kind of see that as necromancy but um animancy i mean yeah in, yeah in, in pillars all on all undead if i well uh, with a few exceptions i think are the product of like tampering with soul magic right right yeah right. and actually that that brings me to um Something that I wanted to, I, I, I've been kind of nursing a, a pet theory over the past uh, little while, um, but it does, it, it's a little spoilery, so I don't know, uh, I don't know how much I want to share of it, but I, what if, I, I, I think Sora, I think, I think I'm in your camp that it, it's probably going to be like a sequel to Pillars 2, and I think there are events that happen in Pillars 2 that might result in a whole lot more animancy being yes. practiced. Uh, quick, quick question. Um, are there yeah. any races or kingdoms or anything in Pillars of Eternity that mimics Norse mythology? Not really. I mean, kind of no. right. a little bit, no. but like, because no, really. okay, yeah. um, Draugr are from Norse mythology. It's yeah. not just something Skyrim came up with. So if that's a... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so they're actually really interesting. You should go read them. I, I know. I, like, I, I, I wanted to see like whether they do if if this would be something like a new introduction of creatures or, or that that would be involved in the storyline whatsoever. So maybe we're gonna have like a completely new storyline that's maybe on, I like. I have no idea really to be quite honest with you, but it's just you know it's just interesting to bring up because you know it's kind of has a resemblance, like I said, from Skyrim. So I don't know yeah. if we can base off of that to sort of give us a better judgment on what we're gonna have in about. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think it looks it looks kind of similar. Yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's you know, un, undead is undead is undead. It, it's it's kind of hard to say. But I, I mean, I do think that animancy, necromancy, whatever you want to call it, is going to play obviously a huge part in Pillars. Wow, I almost called it Pillars 3, Avowed. <laughs> just, <laughs> just as it has through Pillars 1 and 2. But I think it's probably going to play a bigger part since that's sort of the, I mean, that's sort of the, the main um i get i don't want to say antagonist but like bad guy uh featured in the trailer but i i think that like i said i think that um animancy will be 
if this is a sequel, then for reasons that would be obvious if you've played Pillars 2, um, Animancy will be in much higher demand. Adir, I think at the time of Pillars 1 and 2, has outlawed Animancy. Um, and I think they're going to have to grapple with that. I think there's probably going to be a, a sort of reckoning about that. And, and I think maybe that's part of what Avowed will be... Um, well, and I think I'm, and this is, again, me bringing marketing into the whole equation, which I, I hate that I always do that. But well, yeah, um, I think thing. I think there is also something to say about placing it after Pillars 2, because um, I, I feel like it's the building blocks. So you're you, you create this amazing game. People flock to it. They love it. Oh, well, there's this whole story before it. You yeah. can go and buy these products and learn about these stories. Um, I don't know. It just, just I think, not mm -hmm. that this is the way Obsidian thinks. I'm sure they don't because they're now Microsoft money people. So, yeah, but <laughs> it, it's something to think about, you know. Yeah, um, no, oh, 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 sorry. Wait, boom. I think I've got something. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're I'm I'm putting on the old Jabmandu tinfoil hat oh you stole uh, bar, it from gingerino, it from gingerino. Okay, okay. yeah oh, man okay give it back <laughs> i'll give it back done. later i promise listen thank you my friend okay so the adir empire basically sort of made a compact with wadika saying hey you don't like animancy we're not going to do animancy uh you know that that's our promise to our oath yeah yeah our oath to our goddess um now okay Spoiler alert for Pillars 2, I guess. I'm going to try and be as mild with it as possible. Okay. But now that Wodica is most likely much less of a factor in Correct. the world, um, her her influence has waned along with the other gods' influence after the events of Pillars 2 and, the, well, specifically the climax of Pillars 2. I think that maybe certain facets of the editor empire are starting to think well we need to do animancy now and what is not going to be around to punish us do we still keep our oath <laughs> well, you know do we good, actually yeah well that kind of feeds into that's what good. we're saying is the oath oh, worth man. the weight of a crown i mean yeah it's oh. kind of... in a in a world where that's, god that's can't good. directly affect you oh the world just comes full cycle all over yeah. again Gods can't directly affect you, so do you still live your life as though they existed? Yeah. It seems that like you're talking about this happening after BOE two. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. It might be that when when the events of BOE two ending happen, it might cause something unexpected to happen with you know having spooky skeleton boys. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking kind of maybe like an undead. <laughs> Uh, apocalypse, a nascent undead apocalypse kind of thing. Out of oh, control, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out of control, or somebody's Stole. taking it and turning it towards towards negative, and you know, yeah. you have this cult or whatever. I don't know. It's it's definitely ooh, ooh ooh. I mean, the 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 Hollowborn crisis was basically this, uh, you know, the the state of the world at the end of Poe two, but in miniature. You know, only one province as opposed to the entire world. So maybe the entire world is now experiencing sort of a hollowborn ish situation. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely yeah. possible. Um, I, I just hope that 
and this is after reading the 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 text i just hope that um and i've said this before and i know i'm not in the majority but i, I just hope i'm going to save the world i hope that i'm i love those i love the games that do that so i don't know why i'm saying this but i don't want to be the the dragonborn i don't want to be the one that uh <laughs> saves the world i want to be part of the world and i want to have an effect on the world and i want to have an effect on the story but this whole re thing that just keeps happening of it's your you know your bilbo your yeah. yeah right yeah right. you're 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 nothing else nobody else can do anything it's all you you're you're I don't know why I dislike that idea, but I'm kind of hoping that it's more, I'm a part, I'm immersed, I'm inside yeah. of something uh, bigger. I think the like trope is really overused. So, yeah. Yes. Something, I yeah, I want to be part of something bigger than me, you know? Oblivion did that really well. You're not even the hero, Martin. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. I think Oblivion did that too well, personally, but. <laughs> You do not matter. Like Oblivion was my first love among RPGs, but like, yeah. Anyway, Sean Bean stole your your thunder too hard. Sorry, I know, man. And then he does the Sean Bean thing. <laughs> yeah. So aside, we got spoilers. Oh right, sorry. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Princess. The game's been out since 2006. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we're yeah. All, if you're I think concerned that... about Oblivion being spoiled for you, you that's your own fault. <laughs> Parenthesis, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the story of what you think what you think might happen in Avowed? I I have an idea, and that might just be my own, if not tin pile hat, then my you know pet theory is, is or my hope is that it actually deals with oaths from married and uh, and vows from many different directions. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this great quote, quote in uh, Song of Ice and Fire with, uh, that Jamie does, where he, he basically says, well, I, I've sworn all the, the, these oaths, but they turn out to be mutually exclusive. What do I do? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a knight. I'm oath-bound, but I'm oath-bound to four, or five, four or five different things, and they want to go against each other. What do I do? And, and it would be interesting to, to be in the – I think it would be interesting to be in this – Certain in a kind of you know um, in tyranny you're this you're the uh, what is it the oath binder or something it's called you are an authority figure a minor authority yeah. figure and 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 but you are certain you you are that but now the law isn't clear you you are bound to this abstract principle of oaths but oh no you've you've kind of said you've sworn it to two different factions and now and on the surface they are perfectly fine and aligned but now they aren't. What do you do? How do you, which oath do you break? Or, or can you somehow bend these very wide, uh, unbreakable things? I like that. I, I, I really do hope they do take that and run with it, that whole theme. I love, I love strong theming in a game. You, wanna, you want the hot take? And also when I, <laughs> is an oath worth the weight of crown? It might be because I'm not a native English speaker, but to me that actually, it it, it, it it has some subtle ambiguity. Oh, At yeah. the very least, I think it's, well, is it, is it worth, worth, for instance, you mentioned the, is it worth following through an, an oath to take on the responsibility, uh, you know, and in order to do that, you must take on the responsibility of rulership. That, that is one way. You, to, to obtain the oath, you must take on the heavy duty of rulership. Okay, fine. But it could also be our leaders, authority figures, 
also subject to oath? Do they have the same weight? They yeah. have these people have concrete power over or, or people they they can marshal resources. You are a person who perhaps uh, represents some kind of uh, organization that try to keep oath. But again, you have how many people? And the others are some far more people, and they have spells and sharp swords. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's ex it's extremely ambiguous, isn't it? I love that. Yes, and that's the same thing with, with oaths. I mean, when you hear them, they say, oh, these are ironclad. But when you dig down, what do they really mean about this? How right. do we interpret it in practice? That's a really good point. Um, you might have hit on something pretty critical there. Um, I, I definitely also like, uh, kind of based on what you were saying, the 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 moral ambiguity, the the kind of putting you in those situations of uh, choices having these moral consequences. But yeah, I, I love that. I love that theory. Um, I do want to kind Wait. of wrap up. Jed Mandu, you got something? Well, Kiwi had a hot take and I want to hear Kiwi's hot oh, take. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Let's hear thank it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hot take. Maybe a cold one, but what is, <laughs> what is uh, if Rimmelgand is going to finish what he has started? Ooh. I hope I hope that's at least a facet of the story because he's been such a presence. I would hate for him to just get dropped. He's so cool. And I his know. voice is fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> besides that, just the, the concept of, of entropy has been explored and and like. Yeah, well, that, that yeah. needs to and come up again. It's well, especially given the the ending of Deadfire. Yeah, there's some interesting implications on his part. Oh yeah! I, oh man, I want to explore that. That'd be so good. Oh, and hey, I, since it's just popped in my head, I'll share this. Uh, Deadfire is now on Game Pass. So, okay. Um, and so, if you're a Game Pass member, you can download that and play that um, and play through the story. Do it! Um, it's so good. I just <laughs> ordered a Series S, so I'm excited. Oh, cool! Hell yeah! Good job. Excellent. I know. I don't know how it happened, but I'm so glad I'm getting something. I had picked out three emails, but it, it's funny because I think we've <laughs> answered we've answered two of the questions. Ah. One of them was from KT869, and the question was, when will Avowed take place? I think we've kind of beat that <laughs> horse a little bit. So it I hope takes we place at, at all times, in yeah. all places. I, I hope we answered your question in that, number one, we have no idea, but number two, yeah. we have theories. So, the answer is yes. Yes, <laughs> avowed will take place. <laughs> so there's one person called Slopes and Sam who said, um, "Is avowed really just Poe three by another name?" Um, which we've kind of talked about, and I would say the answer to that is no, because I think they're the mechanics of the game are different. The game is going to be different, and that leads into this final question, which I will let you guys answer. Um, from I'm going to mispronounce this this completely, and I apologize. Bo Boer, Boer, I think is how you say it, um, sent the question in that says, um, since Josh Sawyer and Adam Burnett, both directors from P Pillars of Eternity fame, dropped out of doing Avowed completely, does this mean we will see something more mainstream, like contemporary first-person RPGs? Mm. I hope not, but I think so. Yeah, I think we yeah. probably will. I think it's being marketed that way. And I don't Absolutely. think it's just because Josh is yeah, especially, not involved. Especially yeah, with Microsoft marketing. in the picture, I think. So I like marketing it a lot. They just release a trailer and that's it. Like, what, what else do we know? They don't talk about the game. 
Obsidian talks about grounded, and I think the whole game is cringe. Yeah, I think they need <laughs> to be a little more start, at least at this point. I mean, I know there's many theories about when it's coming out. I still kind of cling to 2023. I know 2022 is the more popular theory, um, but I do think they could at least give us something. Yeah. I think I mean, that you have to slowly feed your uh, your audience. Well, for a big game like this, uh, this kind of this kind of tease and then let people hang for a while thing <laughs> is 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 pretty uh, it's pretty orthodox, right? I mean, a lot of yeah. a lot of studios yeah. do this. I, I think we probably won't hear anything more about it for like a year. Yeah. Oh my god. I think it's. I, know. Uh... <laughs> I think that's standard issue for Obsidian as well, isn't it? Yeah. To, yeah. to me, to me, I think they're still in the in the beginning sort of. I, I I don't know. I can't really say anything much about. it. I'm just gonna say I think, like from my personal opinion, I think that they they they're still sort of yeah, no, like maybe beginning stages of the game in general because um, maybe if they were so confident of finishing it, maybe two three years from now, they would actually just let us know right now. Um, but then again, we don't know. Well, at least I don't know. And and uh, who knows? Maybe they're still just uh, you know in sort of the last development phase of the game itself they still need some polishing they still need some time they still need you know a lot of different things to sort of consider and you know we have a current world situation who knows right so 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 at the end yeah. of the day i think it's just a matter of time and then they'll let us know i yeah. think they like the silence i think they I think <laughs> yeah they especially after what happened with cd project red they everybody is gun shy so oh, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. people oh, yeah. don't want to say anything because that automatically once you speak leads to the question oh well so are we close to release because you just said something and then then there's right. the pressure from stockholders and you know so then it becomes oh, a mess yeah. hype so is a double-bladed sword why yeah. open that box i guess it would yeah be, be either that. completely transparent or just completely opaque about it it's Correct. The middle ground yeah. is dangerous territory and i think everyone needs to remember that um when bethesda basically like practically shadow dropped fallout 4 a lot of developers came out and said we really like that and that seems to be what most people are going for now, especially after Cyberpunk's catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they gave us a trailer and then we have nothing to go off of after a Valve's trailer. And then the same thing with Elden Ring. Starfield got a teaser and we have heard nothing about that either. So I, I think yeah. that's the route most yeah, developers true. are taking now. Yes. I mean, I let's, think... let's say this. I mean, July, they released the reveal trailer last year and now there's a big reddit going on there's two podcasts there's several <laughs> youtube makers so you know what you know what i think yeah. that they have done the right things <laughs> You're, we're and, and, and 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 only half of you half of it is you you know right right <laughs> half of it is right here but that's okay um i do want to go back to the question though and, so, and my input to the question is that i would say I would say that yes, Avowed is going to be more mainstream. I don't think that's bad. I think it's not going to be a isometric game. We know that for sure. So the marketing is going to be different. However, you need to realize, and this is me being a, a helping Obsidian out. This is Obsidian. I think that they know they have. I do not think, for example, that they are going to release uh skyrim six or seven or eight they're not trying to do another elder scrolls game they know that they they're 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 competing with well kind of internally with this yeah. other product right so why would they release the same thing i don't think they're going to do that i think they're going to keep some of the things that make pillars 
uh, different. I think that it makes it great. I think that it's going to be story heavy. I think that um, you also need to realize that Josh is still with Obsidian. He's still very much a part of that company, even though he may not be the quote unquote director for this particular game. Um, things go through him and he has input. And if you watch the uh, documentary about Pillars and you, how they how they crafted their company, you know, they, they really value input. They Everybody in the company kind of can pitch in and, and, and challenge and offer ideas. And they'll have these general meetings where they come together and share. And, and people who aren't even related to your department might have this to say. And if they're still keeping with that model, Josh and Adam maybe, we're going to have input. They're going to have input. Most certainly. I mean, they're not the dedicated directors of the game, but they're going to be involved, even in a tangible way. Yeah. And I mean, even if they're not, I mean, it's... Directors basically just oversee a bunch of stuff and basically (laughs) tell people, I like that or I don't like that. I mean, you, you have the majority of the work being done by everyone else they don't really have a hand in the day-to-day stuff so like if you even have half the people that worked on pillars working on avowed then it's going to be really similar i mean you can even look at like even as far as concept art goes when uh i think mark jones is his name when he left um bethesda and stopped making uh concept art for like oblivion and stuff like that uh the the entire atmosphere of the game changed tremendously so when you don't have uh, the director is a huge part but he's not everything right right exactly and there's a lot of people who shaped the games before are still there and are still working on this and still have a vested interest because that was their creative creation before so they have a tie a personal tie so you have to remember that as well but uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think Microsoft is going to want to release two first-person RPGs that are so identical, so close to one another. Um, I just don't see that happening. I think that they're going to support a different approach, even in, I don't know how different it'll be, but I think that they're okay with Obsidian taking their own path and 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 kind of uh, sticking with their guns, you know, sticking to what they know best and what they're good at. Um, yeah. So I want to I want to wrap up. Uh, we, we've now going on two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> oh damn, really? So uh, I want to wrap up and let everybody to give a shout out to where we can find you, or if people want to look you up in the work you've been doing. I know some of you have been have been doing some stuff, um, some really impressive stuff, and need to be uh, people who are listeners need to be following you or going to your area. Because uh, some really, really cool things going on. Or they, they may just want to contact you and send the hate mail to you instead of me, which I'm okay with. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Gingerino, what's going on with you? Uh, I So, the development of the World of Aora podcast is in full swing. So, if you are enjoying the lore of Pillars of Eternity, you want to explore it some more. Or if you're getting hyped for a doubt and you're not really wanting to get to the isometric CRPGs, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at World of Aora. Or email me, worldofair at gmail.com. The podcast is on most platforms, I would say. Yeah, so that's basically what I'm up to right now. Cool. Jed, how, how can they find you, Jed Mandy? Oh, you know, uh, on the internet. I'm, <laughs> I'm Jed Mandu on Twitter. I'm Jed Mandu on Twitch. Uh, I'm not Jed Mandu on Reddit, so don't try to look for me there. <laughs> um, 
but I haven't really been streaming a whole lot lately. I might start again soon. Uh, I used, uh, if I do, then I'll probably be doing my Game Taster series, which is where me and a friend get together and re- sort of recommend games to each other uh, along with food or drink pairings. I love that, though. I, you uh, can't stop that. you got to keep doing that. Oh, yeah, did you, were you watching yeah, those? Uh, no, but that's such a genius <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, nobody yeah. was. No, but it's Man, okay. I, I uh, forgot about it, but I, I love yeah, it. I really want to watch it. It it's was a, a lot of fun. We might start it. We might start it up again sometime soon. Our last one was uh, Donkey Kong uh, sixty four, uh, where I turned the DK wrap into a recipe for fruit salad. Delightful. I love it. Walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells, which was oh. pineapple juice in a squirt bottle that you just kind of spritz over the top. Grapes, oh, melons, man. and oranges, all in uh, a halved coconut shell. <laughs> that, oh, that's so good. Jed Mandu, the man, the myth, the legend, everyone. Thank you, my friend. Um, but uh, but yeah, besides that, come follow me on Twitter. I talk about games. I talk about politics, unfortunately, a lot. Just kind of happens. Well, it's okay. Yeah. All right, Jesse, do you, do you want people to find you? or? Yeah, sure. Another I'm key on. via the group. Okay. <laughs> no, My favorite part of the podcast coming up right away. I know it's coming. <laughs> I'm anticipating it. All right, Jesse, wh- where can I'm they a, find you? I'm at Twitter at uh, Todd is my mom, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm on uh, I'm on Reddit. I have a subreddit for a world building project of my own. That's right. I had joined that. Oh, I forgot. Oh, that's got to go back to it right now. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. But uh, yeah, that's reddit.com slash r slash denim, D-I-N-U-M. It's an old Sumerian word from fun fact. So Very cool. Very nice. cool. Um, all right. Uh, Kiwi, uh, what can people do to find you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Every time, man. Every time. It's the best part right there. I love it um lazar do you you uh, active on social media or anything you want anybody to locate you or no nope okay good fair enough parenthesis not right now okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> maybe later when i'm in we're the just, mood we're just flying through this part of the podcast <laughs> yeah. yeah man um and yeah. then of course uh triometry you've got some cool stuff so tell yeah, us what you're absolutely. doing yeah, so feel free to find me, guys, on uh, YouTube and Reddit. I currently make um, avowed-related videos and all things game design content. Uh, my channel name is Triometry. For those that can't find it, it's just Triometry, and then you can write 8K. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, for my next video, I plan to include as many of you guys through an avowed comment video where I plan to sort of merge all your comments to sort of make like sort of a compilation or, or yeah, like a, mo- a compilation of maybe what you guys want to see from the game. So I, w- I was hoping to get that done probably next month. So if you guys are oh, interested or want to be part nice. of that, I would yeah, really, sure. really, really like, you know, to you guys participate. I'll probably have like a forum on, on uh, Reddit for you guys to just sort of input your comments in and boom, and then next video i'll have them up and uh, that way you guys get get a chance to say what you guys want in the game so hopefully by then i'll just send it to obsidian and uh, who knows yeah well and along those lines uh kudos for getting the email back from obsidian <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, saw that. I honestly got a lot of hate for that but, but did you really yeah I'm willing, I saw. I'm willing to take <laughs> i'm willing to take the heat for it honestly right. if, if you got hate, that means 
that the guy that emailed everything uh, to <laughs> honestly i think it's just because uh the, you know i think i think it just has to do with the fact that like uh maybe, maybe i i was a little bit too optimistic so people were like nah this and this like just just don't don't think any more than what it is you know just just accept it as a sort of loss i'm like why just you know just let's be optimistic i'm not saying it's factual but you know who knows maybe they change their mind maybe it's not maybe it's just for legality issues is why they said maybe they don't want to solicit ideas but i'm still confident that that maybe they, they're that. still willing to take that input to some yeah, extent I, I don't know if any of you played star wars battlefront 2 or if how involved you were with no, that no. community but that's that was an absolute disaster yeah you uh i don't know if you were on the subreddit but they uh they listened to the community for a lot and it just made things a lot worse so that's that's probably Oof. why but the point is they may not uh i understand that the the blanket statement that they gave you they don't i mean there might also be some financial reasoning and legal reasoning behind the phrasing that they use but here's 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 an important thing for you to realize that will make you feel better um i have sent three emails um to obsidian and i have gotten nothing in response (laughs) and i I run the avowed cat so you should feel some i think you broke through the wall i don't know i don't know i'm kind of surprised actually i hope so i hope so honestly it's just it's just what i'm mainly surprised about is like the fact that they took uh i actually got three responses but i didn't show you guys the second one because it was practically the same like it was just like okay yeah thank you for so much and whatnot but the thing is is that i think that you know i find it a little bit strange that they sort of took my our input from the first email and then just the second one is a little bit um yeah no we're not and i think that part of the reason has to do is just sort of the management team so they had one representative that contacted me for the first one then just a completely different person on on the third email so 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 i don't know maybe it's just like uh representatives vary in what they're supposed to say and whatnot so yeah i mean honestly it's not that like it's not too serious I just want them to see that, you know, we're putting hard work into it. We're very dedicated, very committed, very passionate about this game. And we, you know, we just want it to be, you know, a, a good immersive experience. That That's really all it is at the end of the day. So um, I'm just really happy to be, you know, involved and have you guys also be included as well. And I want to include you guys as much as I can in the upcoming video. And that's my goal. Hey, awesome. I'm here for you. Just let me know what I can do to help. Um, <laughs> Not a then... problem, you guys. Just expect it one week from now. I'll definitely get you guys okay, uh, good, good. prepared. And just yeah. a message, you know, I think to listeners, I mean, we, our listenership has gone up even more, uh, the numbers in front of me, but I know we've nearly doubled in a month. But um, nice. I I just want to say message out to everyone. Let's, we're at the beginning, the emerging part of this community. This is an opportunity for us to change some of that narrative of of gamers are mean. And let's just support each other. And let's- yeah, Let's just be positive and um, try the best we can. And there are a lot of people on Reddit is a prime example, but there's a lot of people on Reddit who are positive, who are supportive. So I don't want to say the whole community is bad, but you know, let's just let's just be good to one another. <laughs> I mean, come on, I, mean, I totally no, agree. Be excellent to one another, man. Down. I just don't understand that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but all you Call of Duty people, I'm ready for you. Uh, <laughs> Don't say that. You're yeah, not ready. You'll never be ready. It's yeah. aboutcast yeah. at gmail.com and just put in the subject uh, Call of Duty. And that way I'll know which ones <laughs> to 
I am, I am currently I am currently writing an email as we speak. Okay, good. good, good. <laughs> good, good. I've literally never even played a Call of Duty game, but I will also send you some hate mail. Yay! Just, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, to show I our love, a special folder that that goes into. So. <laughs> Um, thank you guys again. Uh, again, I said you can find us at Avowedcast on Twitter. We're avowedcast at gmail.com. And um, thank you guys for joining us. What a great group we had today. I mean, we had such an amazing conversation. Oh, yeah. Two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> it was long because it was so amazing. Um, what but, happens when you get eight nerds in a room? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just appreciate you giving up your time, guys. And we'll we'll come back together at some point. We'll find out what we're talking about next. But Thanks to all the listeners and the community out there. Keep things going. Let's keep the pressure on Obsidian so we can hear something. Hopefully awesome, soon. Guys. While the dead fire is being cut, cauterized, and trampled, it is charming to find someone who makes time for such elaborate foreplay. That wraps up our discussion of story and RPGs. Uh, specifically in Pillars and what we think is going to happen in Avowed. Thanks for listening to us today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. And until then, I hope you enjoy this music that we're going to leave you with from Justin Bell. Mm-hmm.